0: Looking back at the last half hour, we were talking to Ramona King. Rick and Abbotsford has an interesting uh, piece of advice. He says, a realtor friend gave me some advice years ago that my daughter lives by. Buy the worst house on the best street you could afford. Then get to work and build some sweat equity. Sounds like very good advice. Um, and now his daughter is living Uh, well in salmon arms. So congratulations to Rick. We've been talking about Oreos tonight as well. How do you eat them? Uh, We have a scientist coming up a little later in the show from MIT, no less, who's done experiments on why is it that you can't pull apart or twist apart an Oreo so you get even icing, even parts icing on each wafer. Um, She's also looked into how long you have to dunk an Oreo in milk for it to be perfect texture and then how long it remains that way until it falls apart. Uh, so we'll share those answers with you. But we've been asking, how do you eat an Oreo cookie? 877-399-9898, 877-399-9898. And we've had some interesting replies. So Derek, who is seems to be the absolute aficionado when it comes to how to make an Oreo cookie even more um, even more delectable, <laughs> says you can actually twist it apart and put bacon bits in the middle and then eat it, which sounds... Which sounds pretty amazing. Now, bacon's good in anything, and Oreos are great. I've been eating them all day because I had to do this interview. Um, But that sounds really good. And then apparently, Derek said, you can actually dip that in chocolate as well. So you can imagine bacon bits in the middle of your Oreo dipped in chocolate. Anyway. (laughs) That's a really elaborate and quite delicious way to eat an Oreo cookie. I'm getting hungry just talking about it, so I'm going to stop now and get on to the next story. Eight seven seven three nine 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 eight nine eight. 399 9898 Tell me where you are and who you are and how you like to eat Oreo cookies. Well, we've talked about the rising prices of just about everything on this show over the past little while. One thing that is not going up in price, it seems, is cannabis. Prices for recreational and medicinal cannabis have dropped by and 10.2% respectively over the past year, according to StatsCan. Both have fallen by roughly 25% since the end of 2018. So what's going on and where is it headed? Joining me now is Michael Armstrong. He's an associate professor of operations research in Brock University's Goodman School of Business. Michael Armstrong, thank you for your time tonight.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: It does seem, when you notice it, it stands out right away. It does seem counterintuitive. While the price of everything else is going up, the price of cannabis is going down. Why is that?
1: Well, uh, a simple way to think about inflation is prices go up when there's too many dollars chasing too few product. So uh, the sellers raise the prices uh, and consumers compete for those products. But in the case of cannabis, we have the opposite situation. We have too much product. Too many producers chasing too few consumers, and so they lower the price to compete for those consumers.
0: How did this, I mean, race to the bottom sounds awfully, awfully dire, but how did this, how did we end up here just a few years after legalization?
1: Well, the, this is going on at basically two levels. So it started at the producer level. So thinking back to the first year of legalization, there was lots of talk about product shortages. And for the first six months we didn't there was not enough product, finished cannabis coming out of the producers to keep up with demand. But once they got the hang of running those big greenhouses and getting products shipped and processed, by the summer of 2019, we were into a surplus situation. And uh, there was more cannabis around than could be sold. So that's when producers started cutting their prices and also started closing down some of their surplus greenhouses. So that's been going on for some time. More recently, in some provinces, uh, as the retail networks have gotten bigger, uh, like they have uh, in British Columbia, Alberta was the leader on this, but now Ontario is also catching up. Um, so now we have the retailers also competing with each other. So initially, the first couple of stores basically had the local market themselves. Uh, but now, some parts of Toronto, there's you know several stores in with a couple of blocks of each other. Uh, some other parts of the country similarly have are a bit saturated. So now those retailers are are competing more directly, and so the stores are lowering their prices as well. So we've got this going on at two levels: uh, the producers for some time, and the retailers more recently.
0: How about for investors? Because there was a lot of appetite, it mm-hmm. seemed, early on. This seemed like a very good thing. And right now, I guess it's going through the inevitable growing pains.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a boom and bust uh, cycle. There was lots of enthusiasm. Uh, some, uh, some of that was just uh, you know, optimistic. Uh, you know, If you're an entrepreneur, you, you're starting a business, you're making an educated bet. How big do you think the market will be? And how big of that a slice of that market do you think you can get? uh and then over time uh reality sets in you find okay this is the size of the market we actually have uh this is how many people i have to compete for so this is what i've got uh now probably there were some of those producers that were unrealistically optimistic There were uh you know we just had too many greenhouses being built or converted uh too many people getting into the game uh but that's been gradually downsizing uh i think we're getting close to having a match on supply and demand, but. That remains to be seen. How has the demand
0: been um, compared to what might have been anticipated three years ago, heading into all this?
1: Uh, well, it depends who is who doing <laughs> the anticipation. Yeah. Uh, there are some politicians and some industry executives who uh, seem to think, "Well, you just open a store, you can charge you know ten dollars a gram and up, and and people will flock to your stores." But you know, realistically, there was an established industry called the black market. Uh, they already were making product uh, that consumers seem to like at prices they seem to like. So the legal industry has to compete for those uh, customers. Now, we have definitely made progress. Uh, It's difficult to tell how big the illegal market is because, of course, they don't respond to government surveys. But uh, it's pretty confident that more than half of cannabis being consumed in Canada is now obtained legally. Some provinces more than that, depending on how big their store networks are. So definitely progress but no you you have to earn those customers
0: that's still a pretty remarkable number considering it was all illegal up and well mostly illegal up until uh, up until recently and now if you have half your customers buying it uh, through legal means it's it seems it seems like at least it's competitive uh, can it stay that way
1: uh, yeah I think I think we will continue to see progress on that uh, I mean when the first stores open that first year the people who are buying were basically people who, who really wanted to buy legally. So, you know, no matter that the quality was a bit low, no matter that the price was too high, for them, it was worth it. In the last couple of years, it's been more going after kind of the average consumer. Uh, so now we've got the prices, maybe not as low as the black market, but more competitive. We've got price, quality, particularly from the, some of the smaller producers, uh, apparently are doing a nice job and getting the aromas and potencies, right? Uh, so I think we're doing a better job of getting kind of the average cannabis consumer. But the you know the last third or last quarter whatever it might be of the market is going to be tough because you know some people just want the absolute cheapest or they they want something that's not legally available in terms of uh, really high potency or some particular product format. Those are going to be the hardest ones to convert. So we're never going to see the uh, illegal market completely disappear, but I think uh, I think we can still make some progress on that.
0: What about for the for the industry itself? Because I notice I'm in Victoria. If you see a really nice new store opening, chances are it's a pot shop. I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it's been. Like the nicest looking places are are the marijuana stores. But you're wondering, okay, that's a lot of overhead. That's a lot of expense up front. Um, you would imagine there must be some kind of consolidation coming pretty soon. You would think.
1: Yes, uh, and and to some extent that's already started happening. Uh, Alberta, you're starting to see some of the. Uh, chains, buying up uh, smaller stores, uh, people got in the market and realized, okay, you know, this isn't going to be a big moneymaker, not as big a moneymaker as I wanted. Uh, and they're selling it to chains. Uh, I expect we'll see some of that in Ontario now, although that's that's going to be limited by the particular province. So for example, British Columbia, I believe uh, there's a limit no more than eight stores per chain. Uh, here in Ontario, it's 75 uh, so that will put a, a kind of cap on that. Uh, definitely consolidation. I, I'm not sure we'll see a lot of closures actually completely eliminated. Although they're, you know, if you've got you know half a dozen stores all in the same neighborhood, yeah, some of those are probably not going to survive, but maybe some of them will move out to the suburbs or secondary outlets uh, and keep going that way.
0: So when you look ahead to the next year or so, next few years, where do you see the retail cannabis industry headed?
1: Uh, Well, I think we're going to see some more consolidation on the production side. Uh, The producers are probably going to grow larger, particularly the ones that are going after what you call the value segment, Uh, low price, decent quality. Uh, I think we'll see continued growth of the smaller producers. Uh, They're calling the craft people who are going more of a high quality, uh, moderate price. Uh, Store-wise, I think most provinces now have a a pretty good store network. I don't think we'll see a lot of growth, except uh, here in Ontario. We've got 1,500 uh, stores open, but we've got another 500 <laughs> applications in process, so we're mm-hmm. probably going to top around 2,000. Uh, Quebec is the one province I think that still needs more stores. They'll never have as many as others because they're they're a, a government owned uh, retail, but they're kind of going a slow and steady expansion. So I think I think they'll be adding more stores for quite a while, but. Most of the rest of the province, I think, you know, by the end of this year, that's we're probably gonna be pretty close to our limit.
0: Michael Armstrong, thank you so much for your time tonight.
1: My pleasure.